Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank you so much for joining me. This is episode 10 of Hollywood and Levine, and I am your podcast host, Ken Levine. Got a good show on hand today. We're going to talk a little bit about television pilots, some not so successful, and one that is very successful. First of all, a story about how my partner David Isaacs and I cannot sell anything to ABC. I don't understand it. In our entire career, we've sold only two pilots to the American Broadcasting Company, and neither of them got made. We sold pilots everywhere else, and we worked for ABC. They just hate us. Anyway, I'm going to open up that old wound, and we'll also talk about a a much more successful project by the name of Friends. And we have on the show Jeff Greenstein, who was a writer-producer of Friends way back. He spent time the first year of that series and was also there from the pilot that was created by Marta Kaufman and David Crane. And he's got some very interesting stories about Friends, a lot of things that you may not have known. For example, did you know that Jennifer Aniston was almost written out of half of the first season. Also, the director of the pilot almost quit midway through production of that pilot as a result of NBC Notes. Yes, NBC takes credit for developing friends, but you'll see there were all kinds of problems and creative differences, and we'll get into those as well. A lot of actors who you may know were offered roles on Friends and turned them down. We'll find out who they were. And also, the title of the show. It had about six or seven other titles before they finally settled on Friends. So a lot of factoids and nuggets that you're going to be learning for the first time. That and much more when we continue. But first... For whatever reason, David and I have never had success selling pilots to ABC. Now, I've directed a lot for ABC, and we've written shows for ABC. The only two times that David and I ever actually appeared in a show, it was an ABC show. But for whatever reason, we just never clicked with the development department of the American Broadcasting Company. In our entire career, we did two, count them, two pilots for ABC, and neither of them 
got made. And I just don't know what it is. I mean, we could go in and pitch Desperate Housewives, and for whatever reason, it wouldn't sell. And so we kind of figured this out and decided that when we had a pilot pitch to take out, we would always make an appointment with ABC First because it was almost like our rehearsal pitch. So many times we would pitch something to ABC First, they would pass, we would go to CBS or NBC or Fox, and then we would sell it. So we kind of used ABC as our guinea pig, kind of like the first waffle that you have on Sunday morning that you eventually throw out. Uh, we, We would just know going in that we were dead. I remember one time we were pitching an idea And usually what happens is there is the vice president in charge of development and then two or three other people, um, usually young women who just graduated from uh, Smith who are sitting there with notepads and they're taking down everything that you're saying. So I started the meeting off by saying, we have an idea that is tailor-made to ABC. We want to do... Tuesday night football. And I glance over and one of the assistants is actually writing it down as if that was an actual pitch. We knew we were dead. And now they are located in Burbank. And so when you go in to pitch ABC now, you uh, you sit on a couch across from the executives, and they have their back to the window. So you are looking out through the window, and across the freeway, what you are looking at is Forest Lawn Cemetery. (laughs) I mean, again, we are just dead at ABC for whatever reason. We did two pilots. We did one pilot. They called us, and they said, this was last minute, we need a, a family show. Do you guys have any kind of a family show? And so we put together a family show, and we wrote the pilot, and we turned it in, and they passed. And what they said was, well, see, the problem was that we had another family pilot with Irma Bombeck, who at the time was a very successful author, humorist, who wrote about uh, family issues and stuff. And they said, uh, we have a pilot commitment to her, so we have to go with her. But if it's any consolation, your script was much better. No, no, that was not a consolation. The only other pilot we did for them was 1980. We did a a pilot about the White House Press Corps, something that uh, is not too funny these days. But at the time, we thought, well, this is going to be a great idea because you have all these White House reporters who are sneaking around and they all have contacts and they're in the halls, etc. So we actually went and did research for a couple of days where we joined the White House Press Corps. And what we learned was no. They don't have free reign of the White House. In fact, they can only go to the press room. So all of them are sitting together, and they only move as a group. And we figure, well, gee, there's no real stories here. And then 
we started getting notes from ABC. And ABC was very nervous about the idea of the White House press corps and that it would be just uh, too political. And so we were not allowed to name the president. We weren't even allowed to give him a fictitious name. It couldn't be President Jones, President Smith. No, no, that was too controversial for them. We were not allowed to show the president. I was just going to use uh, my father, pictures of my father, who looks very presidential. And I thought, yeah, it'd be cool to have my father as the president of the United States. Um, We couldn't even do that. So we were really handcuffed in trying to write this pilot. And uh, we decided to center it on a brash, young reporter coming into the press corps. And they said, who do you envision? And we said, well, there's this movie called Body Heat. And there's this guy who plays like the young district attorney who's really light on his feet and has a real comic flair, a guy by the name of Ted Danson. Silence, crickets, like, who? What? Never heard of him. We need a star. Well, for whatever reason or whatever 12 reasons, uh, (laughs) we never got that pilot made. Better luck came to... Marta Kaufman, and to David Crane. A number of years later, they created a show for NBC called Friends. And when we return on Hollywood and Levine, we're going to meet one of the original writer-producers of Friends, and we are going to learn just how that series came to be And it's interesting. There's a lot of twists and turns that you probably didn't know. Keep it here. When you make a pilot, you never know if it's going to be a hit. In fact, oftentimes you don't know until it's already on the air. Uh, There's testing, there's recasting, there are the other pilots, you just don't know. Well, in the case of Friends, there was a lot of indecision and there were a lot of questions about the concept, the cast, the testing, everything. Recently, I had a chance to sit down with Jeff Greenstein, who was one of the original writer-producers of Friends. He was there from the pilot through the first season when the show was really finding its way along, and he has some very interesting things to say about the origination of Friends. The Friends pilot was pretty weird <laughs> when, when you think about it. It is. Yeah, it is a weird pilot. It starts with Chandler recounting a dream he had. Uh-huh. Uh, there's not a proper introduction to any of the characters. It isn't one of those pilots where you hear everybody say everybody else's name. Right. Um, it comes in kind of in medias race. They're already kind of in, in the middle of a conversation. We don't know what place this is. We don't know where – are we in New York City? Uh, you know, it just it just starts. It's a very unusual and unorthodox structure. Did they do that purposely or when you guys were sitting in the room during a run-through, did somebody say, 
how come we're starting like this? It, I was one who said, how come we're starting like this? It, I think that Marta and David wanted to just sort of break the form a little bit. They didn't want to start with one of those. And here we are in, you know, uh-huh. one of those like, and, uh, you know, the first really piloty thing that happens in the pilot is Rachel comes in in a wedding dress. But that actually happens a little bit into the show. We've heard Ross talk about his divorce. I think we've heard Joey talk about his career frustrations. Um, we've heard, uh, you know, we've kind of, we've got a little sense of everybody, you know, some character moments have happened, but it isn't like one of those uh, shows that's traditional in the character is defined through action. It's actually defined through dialogue. And so I think in a lot of ways they were trying to set the template for what the show was going to be. Very chatty, very, you know, caffeine-driven was one of the things they talked about a lot. A lot of shorter scenes, uh, scenes of people talking, people hanging out. And the idea was, I guess, this is our space, Central Perk, where a lot of the action happens. And let's get comfortable with these people and kind of relax into the show. But it was always strange. It always was. <laughs> so James Burroughs directed the pilot. And uh, NBC, everybody at NBC, of course, takes credit for developing the show. But the truth is, they wanted to change it. Yeah. And it was Jim Burroughs who basically fought for the original concept. That's right. Yeah. The uh, Marta and David were always always adhered to the idea that there were six leads and the show and even in the series we took pains to equally weight the characters that everybody got story, everybody got good comedy moments, good drama moments, and it was always there will be three parallel stories per episode and six running characters, which was very unusual mm-hmm. because typically a show has one two one or two leads. Um the most famous member of the cast going in was Courtney Cox. Everyone knew who Courtney was. A lot of those other actors had had smaller parts. Some of them had been in pilots and other sitcoms. But Courtney was, at the, at the jump, she was the face of the show. After one particular run-through, a run-through that was kind of wobbly, as a lot of run-throughs are during a pilot, um, the notes came down from the executives at NBC. Uh, I believe it was Don Olmeyer who said, uh, it's confusing. Shows too, the show is too confusing. I can't follow it. There's too many characters. It needs focus. Basically, strip away all the other, all these B stories and C stories that got to be stripped away. We want to focus on Monica. We want to focus on Courtney. Kind of treat everyone else as kind of supporting player. How do they relate to her story? Maybe restructure it that way. And they went on for some time. And then there was a beat. And Jimmy Burroughs said, well, that's not the show I signed on for. And he got up and he walked out. And that note was never heard again. <laughs> uh, it went back to being the ensemble show that everybody fell in love with. So when you finished the pilot, did it test real well? The pilot did not test well. As a matter of fact, at the wrap party for the series, Friends, which was at a hotel in Hollywood, uh, the cast members took turns reading <laughs> from the disastrous pilot testing. Uh, in general, people did find it a little confusing and hard to follow. You know, it is untraditional. People thought that um, some people thought Monica was slutty because she slept with a guy on the first date in a pilot. Um, some people thought that they had seen Joey before, that that kind of Tony Danza-ish, mm-hmm. you know, these Dems and those kind of guy, particularly the leather jacket that he wore only in the pilot and never again. Uh, they felt they had seen that before. So it, I think it, it, was a, it was a low testing pilot. The big testing pilot that year was Madman of the People, which was a surefire hit. Dabney Coleman. Dabney yeah. Coleman. Dabney Coleman and, God, who played his daughter in that show? Do you remember? I don't remember that. I do remember it got the pimp spot it behind did. Cheers. That's right. It got, it got, oh, no, it got the shot between, between Seinfeld and ER. Oh, okay. Madman of the People got the, like, plum 930 slot. We got the sort of secondary slot, which was also good on Thursday night, 
uh, between Mad About You and Seinfeld. You know, there's another good story, which I don't know if you know. Friends had a million titles, million titles. It was called These Friends of Mine. It was called Friends Like Us. It was called Friends Like These. Six of One was what was printed on the title page, the Uh day of the table read. And... Again, legendarily, that the day that Kevin Bright got the call from Olmeyer picking up the show, he said, if you change the title to Friends, you can have 830 Thursday night. And Kevin legendarily replied, if we're getting 830 Thursday night, you can call it Kevorkian for all I care. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of other actors were either up for the parts or were offered the parts, weren't they? Yeah, um, uh, I think it's there's a laundry list of Hollywood actors who could probably claim that at one point or another they read for Friends or are under consideration for Friends. Um, I know John Cryer talks about the fact that he was vacationing with his girlfriend in Belgium and missed out on the chance to read for Chandler. Um, Krieg Bierko was a finalist for Chandler at one point. I know that um, Jamie Gertz had been offered Monica at one point. Uh, Lisa Kudrow's availability was questionable at one point, so she was in and out of the cast. And, um, and of course, Jennifer Aniston was under contract to another series at the time, a CBS series. And so she was taken in second position, and there was actually a point during the first series where we actually thought we might have to do without Rachel for ten episodes. So there were a lot of people that uh, kind of cycled through before they uh, landed on that incredible ensemble of six actors that ended up going forward with the show. So why do you think... Friends became such a phenomenon because it's not just the kids who watched the show at the time and could identify with it. You have a whole new generation that has found it and is discovering and loving it. And it's also doing so well around the world. Why do you think Friends was such a hit. Yeah, well, it is amazing how this show persists. I mean, it's a show that my own teenage son enjoyed, uh, which is incredible because he has no interest in anything else I've ever worked on. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, I think it's a combination of two things. First of all, I would like to believe that the extraordinary hard work and talent of the people who made the show had something to do with it. I mean, it's an extraordinarily gifted cast. We had Jimmy Burroughs did the pilot in most of the episodes first season. Amazing director. Obviously, we had a great writing staff on that show, a terrific writing staff um, that cared about getting it right. Marta and David were incredible creators and showrunners, and we worked really hard on a show that had a very, very intricate design, three stories per episode, six characters per episode, and we worked really hard to make it great. We sweated every punchline. Um, we were the hardest critics on our own material, and so I'd like to believe, as I said, the talent and, and commitment had something to do with it. I think on the other hand, the show has no premise, and I think in a lot of ways that works to its favor. You couldn't pitch Friends today. What, do you, what is the concept? It's about six people. It's about six characters. Marta and David's pitch document for Friends said it's about that time in your late 20s when your friends are your family. That's the barest wisp of a premise. And in a lot of ways, I think the show doesn't date because of that. It's very relatable. Everyone wishes they had a group of friends like that that they could rely on, buddies who would prop you up when you're feeling down. Everyone wishes they had a place like that that they could hang out where they always felt at home, where you would walk in and you would see four or five people you know and love. And so in a lot of ways, the... The low-concept nature of it, I think, is part of what's made it endure. And the fact that the situations remain relatable and, uh, and that people can connect with the struggles of those characters. The desire for fulfillment in your job and romance and relationships, to relate to your parents as an adult. These are all things that persist as challenges that everyone deals with. 
And so I think it's kind of a combination of both. Uh, it's amazing to me because the 10 of us or 12 of us sitting in that room thinking up the show every week just thought this will be a thing that we'll watch. Our friends will watch and maybe maybe our, maybe our buddies will think it'll, it's, it'll be funny. The fact that a generation later it is still a show that people care about and stream and it's astonishing to me. And I, I feel lucky to be a part of it. It's the, you know, I, I, it's the credit I think people will care about long after people have forgotten Will and Grace and Desperate Housewives. <laughs> well, you'll also be getting residuals long right. after uh, those have faded away. Yes, I only wrote four episodes, but the residual train never stops. And, and though they get smaller over the years, as you talked about oh, yeah. in the previous episode, I can count on a few shekels coming my way from the one with the stone guy or the one with the East German laundry detergent. It's actually telling, by the way, that at the time we wrote the show there was in east germany <laughs> that's how long it's been since i worked on the show thanks jeff thanks ken welcome back to hollywood and levine well a pilot in order to be successful has to be about something because if you don't have any kind of a real theme then you're going to be writing in circles. You'll have no idea from week to week what the show is about. Now, the premise can be very simple, like with Friends. It's really just the transition between uh, childhood and adulthood, and these young people are relying on each other as they find their way. Again, it can be very simple like that, but you still have to have some notion of what the pilot is about. Because when you're sitting in those rewrite rooms and it's episode four, episode six, or eight, and you don't know what you're writing, if you have an idea of what the show's about, you can always go back to that. You can always go back to the premise and just do another version of the premise. When we had a series uh, in the 90s, Almost Perfect, starring Nancy Travis, our original idea was you had a young woman in her early 30s who was kind of scuffling in her career and scuffling in her personal life. And the day she gets the job of her life, she meets the guy of her life, and they're both full-time jobs. Okay, so you know what that series is. That's a series about somebody juggling her professional and her personal life. Well, at the end of the first season, Les Moonves did not like the guy and made us get rid of the boyfriend. So what we were left with in season two was single girl has a job dating. Well, there's no there there. And although we came up with, I think, some very clever stories, still there was no real engine to the series, and eventually it, it died. But you do need that idea. And I remember, because a, a number of times during pilot season, if I didn't have a pilot, I would help out on Friends pilots, uh, where I would go in, watch a run-through, and be there for the rewrite night, uh, punching up jokes and helping to fix the script, whatever it needed. And I remember in one instance, I was helping out on a pilot, and I don't remember too much about the pilot other than the fact that it was set like in a small town diner. And we were having trouble rewrite night. 
it just it wasn't going well. We were kind of confused as to what the characters wanted and what this thing was about. And at about 11.30 at night, I finally said to the creator, what is episode two of this series? And he said, there is no episode two. This damn thing is never going to go. And I said, well, then why don't we just come up with some jokes and get out of here? What are we sitting till four o'clock in the morning for? And he was right. It didn't go. So when you watch pilots and you're totally confused, chances are that series won't be around very long. Hollywood and Levine. Okay, this is going to be a rather bizarre segment because just before I turned on the recorder, I developed the hiccups. And normally, you know, I would just uh, wait until the hiccups went away. But I thought, you know what, this might be a good way to tell a story. And this is something that happened to me back in my disc jockey days in 1974. When I was, there you go, when I was with KYA in San Francisco, and I was doing the 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift. And at the time, after midnight, all of the newsmen went home, and uh, the disc jockeys had to do the news. So from 1.20 to 1.30 every morning, I had to do the news. And one morning, just like now, I got the hiccups. And uh, there's no way to just uh, wait it out. I couldn't put on Hey Jude or anything. I just had to uh, had to persevere. So the way I dealt with it was to just read the news completely straight, but not tell the audience that I had the hiccups. To just sound as if I was completely straight although completely drunk, you know. And uh, today in Vietnam, uh, there were problems at the uh, Tet Offensive. And and that's how I did the news for 10 minutes. So I'm going to turn off the tape recorder now, but you get the idea of what it's like to be on the air with the hiccups. That will do it for episode 10 Okay, now that I have 10 episodes, if you're just joining me, go back through the archives. There's some interesting stuff there. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Our thanks to Jeff Greenstein for his recollections of Friends. Also to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, and to John Wolfert. We will see you next time. As always, please subscribe and, uh, you know, give me that five-star review. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>